0: All right, so cognitive dissonance I've been thinking a lot about cognitive dissonance lately, and it's a plague on society, on the human species and a lot of people are like, "Oh like human beings are a virus like well I don't, I don't know that's I'm either neither here nor there. there are some bad human beings, there are some good human beings, there's some in the middle uh but it's just like anything else. There's good teachers, good pat te- there's bad teachers, there's good cops, bad cops, there's good professors, and there's bad professors. And then there's only the one professor. Anyways. So, remember, repent, reclaim. Alright. And as shit just keeps, like, piling up, fucking seems like somebody, to, like, the universe declared war on me. And Which doesn't even describe it, or it's not accurate at all, because therefore, you know, according to the Nature of reality and law of attraction, it would have been me that declared war on myself in the form of sending out thoughts, vibrations, something, which caused the universe to be like, hey, okay, I hear that. I'm going to fire G14 your way 15,000 times over the next month. So there's that. I think that uh, the thing I'm learning in this portion of my life, and I don't think this is not a midlife crisis because if you look at the chakra development, like when your chakras open up, uh, I'm 35 and actually coincides 100% with what chakra and I think I'm think i trying to think is it the throat chakra or the crown chakra that's currently beginning to develop and spin as fast as it should be spinning uh, and if you never looked into the chakras the chakras are fucking fascinating so in life when shit gets you down when fucking shit is just beating you up when you're taking a pounding you, like that movie uh, two movies come to mind Million Dollar Baby and uh, the one of the Great Depression, the fighter in the Great Depression. Shit, what was that one called? With Russell Crowe. I can't remember. Fuck. Uh, Now, what the hell? Elijah, help me out. What the hell is the name of that movie? Uh, Million Dollar Baby and Cinderella Man. That's what it is. It's Cinderella Man. We either surrender to the situation we are fighting so that the virus of conformity can harvest our perception and fighting that's kind of a i don't know loosely based word or you can come to terms with the situation and utilize everything you've ever learned in this realm the shocker Uh, or you can utilize everything you've ever learned in this realm in order to formulate a game plan to booster your immunization from the plague of conformity. And make no mistake, conformity is a plague. That's all the conformity crowd, the conformity government. That that's, seems like that's all we're do, doing and living in these days is, well, you know, I don't want to be different. I don't want to conform. I'm like, no, fuck that. Uh, should conformity somehow compromise any essence of your being then number one you were a fool for not preparing for that possibility and i hate to tell you that that's just my opinion now if you did prepare for it and it does happen to compromise your immu- immunity then you have one job at that point which is survive at all costs not survive like in the form of what everybody else says survive like you must survive you must live as long as you can and you must not whatever this this fear of death like uh there's a 100% mortality rate. So survival in the sense of you've got to fucking withstand and persevere and make it through that situation. And that's a little different from the survival that everybody's talking about on the, in society and shit like, well, you know, get this prescription medicine, get this fucking, you got the pharmaceutical industry rules TV. That's all I see is like, Hey, if you take this pill, you'll be able to survive longer, survive longer. You know, but anyways, uh, Survive at all costs. If you do not survive, whether it be through death or, you know, I'm talking more along the lines of if you don't, if the situation or whatever gets the best of you. Then you can chalk it up as another victory for team cognitive dissonance, which already holds a commanding lead on the psyche of human beings as it is. And it's a like I said, it's a fucking plague. Hunter S. Thompson, the author from uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Fantastic fucking movie, by the way. Love that movie. Fear and Loathing, uh, Hunter S. Thompson, quote, Life should not not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-prepared body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, Thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, fuck, that was quite a ride. All right, the reason that I get on this and talk into this microphone is not because I have nothing to say. It's actually quite the contrary. Uh, This platform, in my opinion, this is just me, is for folks who desire to relay some sort of a message that they think might help their fellow humans. So... Whether there's three or 30 in the cast uh, doesn't matter to me. All right. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is I speak only when I have something to relay and only when I feel like I've amassed enough material to cover the message from with, from within duality um, being my guide. Uh, I don't know. Five. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Yeah. So. Okay, so (laughs) I'm not calling anybody out at all, all right? There are so many casts on CastBox that it's like a fucking party line. And I've listened to some of these for like 30 minutes at a time. I I, I hate to say that I wasted that much time on them, but sometimes they don't fucking say anything at all. I mean, the, the bow minutia of some of the shit that just rolls, I don't understand that. And I'm not criticizing anybody to each their own, but I only choose to speak... And relay my message when I have something to say. Because I just don't fucking speak just to speak. If I'm going to speak, if I'm going to say something, it's not to hear my own voice. It's to provide conclusions to uh, theories that I previously might have spoke on. I'm simply using critical thinking and the problem-solving strategy in order to help human beings evolve and adapt and persevere. I think the day that I, like the very first day I was truly alive, probably wasn't until I was like 21, 22, uh, I started to ask myself, what the fuck am I lying to myself about? And uh, it, the persistent one for me, at least, kept coming up over and over was a never ending pursuit to be in a clique or to signify my relevance eventually, which will hit you square in the face. And then leave a note on your unconscious body, which reads, "Your desire to prove your relevance is the only reason why you're not relevant." So for me, that's when I truly felt like I really started living, and it probably was 21 or 22, not not in high school, not in college, or I mean, you know, early in college. But it was the day when I asked myself, "Like shit, what am I lying to myself about?" And that's not fun. Uh, I'm asking myself that fucking almost every single day now. And that answer was like this fucking never ending pursuit to be a part of the click or to be, you know, with the cool guys in the fucking seventh grade. I used to have these three assholes in seventh grade, Bart Howard. Uh, I don't remember the other fucking two's name, but I, Bart Howard was so much of a tool that I remember his fucking name. And that was in seventh grade. And it just blew my mind how fucking cool they thought they were. But everybody else thought they were cool, too. They, they would have done anything. They would have sold their soul. They would have cut off a fucking pinky toe. Anything like that to be able to be acknowledged or, like, found cool by Bart Howard. And looking back on that shit now, it's like, good God. Of course, when you're in seventh grade, I don't think there's anybody that will say that they're not a fucking idiot. Like, when you're in seventh grade, it's just a weird time in your life. Hello, kitty dude. So, there's that. And, Jesus, I hate to think what it's like now, uh, which is why we need a very... Which is why we need people that are looking outside the. Okay. You, are you really in seventh grade? How about that? I didn't know. Ironic. Where do you go to school? All right. For real, dude. Is this Darby or cell? I don't believe it. You go to St. Saint... I'm going to look that up. St. Anthony Middle School. What, what, what are you doing listening to a podcast or a livecast right now when you're in school? Sorry, Elijah, I'm going to keep going here. Okay, so I mentioned the day that I truly started to live, in my opinion, is the day when, well, again, I'll just read the quote of whatever it is in life that knocks you out after you are constantly struggling and trying to prove your relevance. You get knocked out, and then life will leave a fucking love note on your unconscious body saying your desire to prove your relevance is the only reason why you're not relevant instead at least for me but to each their own you know what I mean uh, if you kill the ego which really doesn't exist anyways and <laughs> uh, you know, that might be cons- like identified or labeled as a double speak or double think but I don't really think so um, and here's why ego when when you're in this world but not of it that statement makes a lot of sense now If you're in this world and you are of it, that statement doesn't make a lot of sense. So if you have the perspective that you literally are in this world, but you are not from here, or not of it, life takes on a little different uh, meaning as far as your perception and the attitudes in everyday life and choices and passions, dreams, whatever else it is. So uh, kill the ego, which really doesn't exist and one deconstructs the false premise of relevance. From that point, you can begin to lay the foundation of actual relevance, and from that standpoint, actual relevance being more heart-centered than brain-centered, or dick-centered, or anything like that, you will watch the impact of your relevance spread like a wildfire. It is really easy to write a book about your successes following the grind period. In fact, I've never even read or seen a book written from the perspective of the person while they are in the pre-success mode or the grind mode. You know why? Because nobody would fucking buy that book, nor do the conditions within the premise of that book serve any purpose to a society only interested in conditional-based happiness. So cognitive dissonance. I implore people, as I've been imploring myself the last month, to ask the self oneself uh what in the fuck it is that you are lying to yourself about and you know i will say this and i'll be brutally honest first of all it's none of my business what that might be but i will say the the only comment i'll have on this if you believe that you aren't lying to yourself about at least one thing in life whether it be a weakness a strength a procrastination i don't care anything uh then for lack of a better phrase and to be truthfully like just completely blunt i would say that you are completely full of shit um and according to bill hicks the fantastic quote your denial is beneath you and thanks to the use of lsd i can see right through you so last week or whenever it was i mentioned that everyone is encoded with the totality of their own uniqueness when they are when they incarnate into this reality without understanding this concept i found a way to embrace it when i played sports, especially when I ran track and field in high school and college. When I ran track and field, uh, I ran the 100, the 200, the 4x1, the long jump, the triple jump, the 4x4. I mean, I, I didn't do a, a lot of relays. It was mostly individual races. I found that the only performance I was responsible for was that of my own. I owned my training, whether it be good or bad. I owned my performance, good or bad. And the entirety of my accountable preparedness within my own style uh honestly without knowing it that's why i love track and field so much and i was really fucking good at it uh my senior year i ran a 10.72 100 meter dash i broke uh banks floodman who used to play football at ku uh, I, I broke the school record that was broke by a dude who beat my dad's 100 meter record 35 years prior to that and the only reason that I went to this high school was for that chance to be able to get my name or my dad's name, Conwell name, back on that 100 meter record. And the second to last, third to last race of the season or the year, I was able to do that. Now, what sucked is uh, I was disqualified because I had riding on an undershirt and the person who I had beat in this race was a three time 100 meter league champion. He had won the last three years in this league. Well, his mom or somebody found out about it went and complained to the starters. And I was sold down the river by my coach and I was disqualified. So I got to keep the record, but I didn't get to be the league champ. And that's, you know, that's irrelevant. Uh, in that race, though, I remember. His name was fucking Yoder, something Yoder, Alan, Alan Yoder. He had like a seven meter lead on me through 40 meters of that race. And I'm 6'3. So, as my teammates used to say, like, dude, just wait until you get gazelle mode activated. Because when gazelle mode was activated, uh, there wasn't really any distance that I couldn't catch somebody at, especially all I needed was like 20 or 30 meters. So, but however, saying that gazelle mode, what well, well, Gazelle Mode was my overdrive. When I ran the 55 meter or the 60 meter in college, I struggled because the race was, net, was over before Gazelle Mode could ever be engaged. And rather than try to force Gazelle Mode onto a race that wasn't practical for the strategy, I let it go. Gazelle Mode was successful in certain races only, and everybody has their own version of Gazelle Mode. The longer you try and force a mode or strategy onto a situation that is not conduct, uh, conducive for that strategy, or that situation, the more you are falsifying the ego. Falsify the ego long enough, and one eventually realizes that everything within their reality was a long-developed lie, becomes crashing down beyond the speed of light. Which landing makes more sense to you? Hitting the eject button prior to smashing into the ground, or smashing into the ground at a rate of speed that could very likely kill you? Should it kill you, in the sense of kill your psyche or your perception, or your consciousness, or your belief, or your resolve then your genetic spacesuit simply from that point forward becomes a void of numbness that will hold the vibration of numbness until the vital organs of that spacesuit begin to shut down and they're then thus reclaiming a consciousness that was once a part of the infinite when it departed from source to an empty vessel completely absent of any hint of light from where it derived And at some point, you know, eventually, no matter what your friends, family, partner, boss, enemy, cat, asshole, neighbor next door think, it will be you that must return to that source and explain to the creator why the infinite originally housed within you is completely void of any light whatsoever. And I don't know about you, but I ask myself all the time, what will I say if something like that happens? If you have thought about that, then I commend you for being accountable. If you don't know what you'll say, then it might be a good idea to commend. I'm uh, oh, sorry. To ask yourself what you are lying to. In relation to the aspect of the infinite, which is you, what are you lying to yourself about? If you don't know what you'll say to the creator about, so here's a good uh, analogy: If your being was a brand new Ferrari, fresh off the assembly line, assembly line, and handed to you as you departed the source. God Himself or the Creator gave you the keys to that Ferrari. Are you really ready to explain to God or the same Creator what happened when you return that Ferrari completely totaled as you return to the source? I don't want to have that conversation. Uh, you know, my Ferrari is not going to be exactly what it was, but at least it's not going to be totaled, or I'm going to strive to not total it. Um, I don't know if I really want to have to be accountable to the creator for why I fucked up his Ferrari. That's what humans do, though. That's what we do. That's what everybody does. You, me, I do it all the time. We let people who have never driven a fucking Ferrari sway our opinion on what it's like to drive a Ferrari. That's, that's idiotic. But that's what we do. Uh, that's not good enough, though, because we have to impose the same mentality onto the youth And then someday watch them impose it onto their youth. Therefore, after that, several generations, that's all it takes is to develop a lie. And you are steeped farther into the cognitive dissonance. The beast grows bigger, stronger, and more mighty with each generation. How unstoppable will that beast be in 50 years? At some point, somebody has to break the fucking cycle. No matter what the consequences might be. And I play that Martin Luther King Jr. speech on here quite often. Uh, I don't have it loaded right now, or I play it. I, In my opinion, is one of the greatest speeches of all times. It's a prime example of what I'm talking about. If you listen to that speech, Martin Luther King Jr. knew, knew, and even says it. Uh, we've got some difficult, I mean, he says, uh, like anybody I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that he was a dead man that they were coming for him. He didn't know how. He didn't know when. He knew it was soon, but he knew that his days were numbered. Now, most people in that situation would do what he did not do. What did he do? He took a step forward, looked the beast in the eye, you know, a little bit more, and made sure the power of his message was that of increased volume and exponential truth. Now, they still got him, just like they got Lenin, JFK, Bobby Kennedy, Lincoln, Malcolm X, all of them, same thing. Malcolm X knew they were coming for him. Bobby Kennedy knew they were coming for him. Lincoln, I'm sure he had an idea because of the involvement with the private banks that he was fighting. Um, and this reminds me of a quote from Matthew McConaughey. So real quick sidebar, because this quote's phenomenal. Every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero is always 10 years away. I'm never going to be my hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's fine with me because that just keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. I think that's relevant here. You will never be noticed, respected, targeted, admired, desired, etc., etc., whatever it is that you want out of life. If you exist within a field of green while you are wearing green. Waldo. From the books, Where's Waldo? While it often took some time to find him, eventually did stand out because of his indifference to the conformity of his surroundings. Are you Waldo or are, are you the conformity? And that movie, Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul tells Bruce that the following quote, If you build yourself to be more than just a man or a woman, and if they can't stop you, you become something else entirely. And Bruce asks, which is? Uh, and to which Ra's al Ghul replies, a legend. And I would just ask people, what's more important? The brief limelight of relevance or to be a legend of eternity? That, was, that is what was on my mind. So that's all I have to say. Um, I got some stuff I got to go do, but I wrote that down earlier today and I've been meaning to say it and I got it and I feel fucking a lot better. So what's more important? Conformity with a click that doesn't have anything to say. Just bow minutia, just rolling off the fucking tongue just to hear themselves speak. Or to be partying with the Egyptian deity Thoth. I don't know. Something to think about. All right. Wow, that's 33 minutes. That's like the shortest one I ever did. That's shorter than my coaches' meetings. 37 minutes was a coaches' meetings record. How about that? Ooh, yeah. All right, sweet. I'm over and out.